0: Hello there and welcome to episode 8 of Behind the Membership Season 5. My guest today, Ali McGee Kelly from Social Media Marketing Society, is a little bit different because rather than running her own membership site, she's actually the manager for a larger company's membership. So today's chat is a little bit different to the norm and we're talking all about what it's like to manage a membership for someone else and work alongside additional teams which handle things like the sales and marketing. We're also talking about how the Social Media Marketing Society has had to adapt and evolve as a result of the pandemic, and the unique challenges this has brought for a company the size of Social Media Examiner. And we're talking about lots more besides, like how Ali got the role of manager in the first place, their approach to bringing in experts to create guest training, and why they've now moved from a closed to an open model. So, without further ado, let's get started. Welcome to Behind The Membership with Callie Willows. Real people... Real stories, real memberships. My guest today is the wonderful Ali McGee-Kelly from the Social Media Marketing Society. Thank you so much for joining me today, Ali. I am really looking forward to talking with you, although I am now really wishing I was back in San Diego.
1: (laughs) Oh, well, I am absolutely thrilled to be here. Thank you for asking me to come on. I can't wait to talk about like all things society. Yes, it's going to be great.
0: And so for anyone listening who isn't familiar uh, with the Social Media Marketing Society. Um, this is run by Social Media Examiner, which is led by Michael Stelzner, one of the biggest social media marketing blogs in the world, I think it's fair to say. Yes. Um, also run the largest social media conference, the Social Media Marketing World. And they have the membership, the Social Media Marketing Society, that Ali is the manager of and here to talk with me about today. So, a little bit different to most of my guests who, who kind of have their own membership site that they're running. And I thought that'd be really interesting to, to kind of get, get in, into what it's like to manage a membership site for a bigger company, essentially. Yeah. So with that really long introduction there, <laughs> um, could you start by maybe telling us a little bit about the society, first of all, and what your role in it actually is?
1: Sure, absolutely. So uh, you explained it pretty well. And it's kind of how I explain it to people is that Social uh, Media Examiner is our, I don't want to say parent company. We're not that fancy, but um, Social Media Examiner is the company. The Social Media Marketing Society is our membership. Um, Within Social Media Examiner, we have lots of different divisions. We have our marketing division. We have our editorial that does the blog. We have our events team that does all of our online events and our conference. And we have the society, which is my team. So, we all, um, you know, really uh, up until a little over a year ago when COVID hit, um, all of our little divisions were somewhat siloed. Um, But I would say, over the course of the last year and a half, um, our company has really come together. And now the society is, while, while it's still its own entity, um, there's lots of people in our company that have their hands in the different things that we do. Um, so it's really kind of a team effort uh, to, to keep it what it is um, and to make all the improvements we've been doing, which I'm sure we'll talk about. But we, um, as, as part of the membership, uh, the, the people that join um, will get a couple of um, expert-led, workshop style, like webinar trainings every month. And we have a Facebook group where our community resides and that's where people uh, can ask questions and get support, um, that sort of thing. So, so yeah, it's, it's really the only product we have where there is that real um, ongoing year long community and, uh, and yeah. And so I really just kind of manage everything behind the scenes and try to help people get support and, and that kind of thing.
0: Awesome. And so how long did the society launch now?
1: Yeah, so it launched way back in 2015. um, And I joined as a a founding member. I was not part of the society team or staff when it launched. I was a a founding member, just like a lot of other people. Uh, And and the position, which I now have, uh, wasn't formally made a position until later that year.
0: Awesome. So you actually went from founding member to the current role manager then. How did how did that come about?
1: Yeah, so it was actually the the manager uh, before me is actually still our head of training, Leslie Samuel. And uh, he partnered with Mike to get the society up off the ground. Um, And and he uh, is is still a a wonderful um, source of support to me if I ever need anything but he has his own thing. He had his own uh, membership about blogging and he has his own business and the society really needed a full-time person in this role. And so he stepped back and he still hosts all of our training sessions um, and is the person that kind of moderates the Q&A and and, and, does all the intros and and uh, and really um, runs the the training at least on the public facing side of things, um, uh, but uh, yeah, they they needed a full time person uh, to run the day to day. You know, there's a couple of different team members that we've had for a long time um, that help do all of the the backend kind of administrative stuff and the customer support, and um, they needed a, a manager that was there. Um, to, to, for lack of a better word, manage things. Um, so, so yeah, so they, they started a, a hiring process and, um, I went through several interviews with people and I had, I, I really had a passion for the society. I really loved what it was doing for me and my former business, which was as a social media, um, as small agency, um, and consultancy. And I had, uh, I, I was a very active member, um, in the community. I was, I was answering people's questions. Um, and I just, I had a lot of thoughts and ideas for ways to make it better. And apparently, you know, they saw that I was a, a social media examiner, super fan and, I had been to all of the social media marketing world conferences since year one, um, and there had been three at that point, uh, 2013, 14, 15. And so, and I had sort of become known among the people at the conference and uh, the company itself. So it just really kind of felt like a natural fit. And kind of hit the ground running and I've been trying to make it better you know it's constantly better ever since
0: I love that and yeah it's great that you kind of came into that having the experience of the membership itself being essentially the ideal target member for the membership and then and then being able to move into that that role of actually being able to shape shape the business yeah so with that
1: is it a full-time role that you have now with the the society I, I would say it's more than (laughs) (laughs) full-time. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's, it's definitely full-time. There's always some multiple projects going on, whether it's editing, you know, a page on the website or, I mean, and we, a lot of things we do just like seem simple on their surface, but like require a lot of reviews and things like that, because like, it's, as you said, like, this is a little bit different than the guests that you normally have on this podcast, because it's not my company. (laughs) So, I mean, while I have a lot of autonomy in my job, um, quite a bit, actually, and I'm very thankful for that. It's one of the reasons I love my job so much. I work from home, and I'm very autonomous. Um, But when it comes to Things that uh, my boss, Michael Stelzner, um, is exceptionally good at, such as copywriting. Um, All of that stuff needs his review. (laughs) And, And I'm glad for it because he's way better at it than I am.
0: So I'd love to talk about that a little bit then, because so you have um, Michael, who's who's kind of the head honcho for whatever better word of of everything that social media examiner does. And then you mentioned before that there's kind of the different team silos, essentially, Mm -hmm. that handle different elements of the business. Yeah. Does that do you think help or hinder what you have to do? So, for example, I know with marketing for the society, you mentioned there's a there's a specific marketing team. So presumably you're you're quite hands off on actually getting the members in you're more there to kind of make sure the members stick around once they are. And is that right?
1: That That's correct. Yeah, I, I like to describe it as I'm not responsible for acquiring the members, but I am responsible for retaining them. Yeah. And the, the marketing team wh- who are all fabulous at what they do, um, I would say it helps my job because it's one less thing that I need to worry about. And there are things that they do that are just not in my set of strengths. Um, Like I said, like I'm not a copywriter. And so when it comes to like writing things like sales page, copy and email marketing and all of that, like I would much rather hand that off to somebody else. And so it works out really well that we have people who are very strong at what they do, doing the things that they do well for everything in our company. Um, so yeah, so I don't, I don't want to worry about the the specific language of, you know, what's going to be their subject line for the emails and things like that and testing all the emails. Um, I, I would like to leave that to the professionals and the, of course, um, maybe not with the emails, but at least with the sales page, they do let me review everything, um, I do go through it with a fine tooth comb and I just, I make sure everything that they say is accurate and representing what the membership is. Um, but I don't write it. I let them do that. And, and there are things that, you know, they always run stuff by me. What do you think about this? Um, what, you know, how would you feel if we, you know really emphasized this part of the society over this part of the society? And I can let them know. Well, you know, that's n- not really gonna be an accurate reflection of the member experience. You know, that kind of thing. So we communicate, but um, but it's not a part of my core role at all.
0: You're not having to worry about sales targets and and all of that that fun right. stuff.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I have I have lots of knowledge and opinions about it. And and we talk about those things and we we share stuff and. Um, And all of that, but, you know, when it comes down to the implementation of it, yeah, that team takes over.
0: And so what does uh, a typical day look like for you then? What kind of tasks are you working on day-to-day, month-to-month with the membership?
1: Yeah, so uh, I would say day-to-day, you know, we we use a tool called Asana, which you're probably familiar with for all of our task and project management. Um, So Asana basically rules my life. Um, You know, aside from your basic things, like just responding to tons of emails, um, Asana is where we keep track of our speakers um, and all of our training session processes and things like that. Um, And just the, like the the email, the weekly emails that we have to send out, we send out like a highlights email every Friday. Um, that, uh, where we, we go through and we pick out all of the best news stories and Facebook uh, you know, group posts from our group. And, and we put all of that in email. So like, that takes up a lot of my Friday just to put that together. Um, but the, the other interesting thing that I think makes us a little different than a lot of other memberships is we do not come to the table um, claiming to be the expert in any one thing ourselves. Uh, all, and this is the same across all of our products with social media examiner. Um, We are um, acquirers of talent. We uh, may, we, we form relationships with experts uh, across a variety of niche areas in social media marketing, anywhere from Facebook ads to LinkedIn um, to, you know, copywriting to like all the things that, that go into social media marketing and analytics and whatnot. Um, we form relationships with these fabulous experts from all over the world and we recruit them to come and present their knowledge to our audience in whatever format that may be. It can be the podcast, it can be speaking at a conference, it can be as an expert in one of our online summits or courses um, and of course my area the this society. So, I, I work with Michael Stelzner to determine, you know, what topics and people we want to bring into the society, and then I work with bringing those people in. Um, we have a very elaborate onboarding process and um, uh, making sure that they have everything they need and the PowerPoint templates and things like that. Um, you know, getting bios and headshots and. Um, writing session descriptions. And and so there's like a lot of little nitty gritty behind the scenes things that go into every single training session um, where it might be a lot easier if it was just a single person presenting what they know to their members. Um, For us, every single training session is an elaborate process involving an outside party. So, um, and I know you have outside guests come and, and speak to your members as well. You're probably familiar with that process, but um, yeah, I mean, we just, we take pride in uh, the level of service and communication that we have with those speakers. And so it's, it's, you know, a fair amount of work behind the scenes.
0: Yeah. And I have to say, cause um, you know, I am a member of the society. I don't necessarily use it as much as I, I should, um, <laughs> but I am a member. So from a member's point of view, it always seems like it's, it's such a, a smooth running process for you guys in terms of having the, the live training. And um, I think it's a couple of live trainings a month. So there's quite a lot of content being put out there. How far in advance are you actually scheduling that content?
1: We are scheduling it about two to three months in advance right now, Um, that's varied a little bit over the years, um, but we're at about three months right now. So um, it gives us, you know, it gives them, my main concern is giving the speaker ample time to really put together a unique training for our members. Of course, there are people that, you know, they train lots of places, they will bring in some content that they've presented other places, but we really try to ask them, to come up with something new and unique for us um, as much as possible. So we wanna give them enough time to do that. And we we have a prep call with them where we review all of it. Um, we give them feedback on anything that needs to be changed. <clears throat> I would say, especially for our, our new speakers who are, um, I mean, they, they may uh, be well-known in their own areas, uh, but like new to our um, to to our audience. Uh, there's the, the whole prep call process where, um, we basically coach them on how to best teach our members. It's really almost a service to them. Um, I've kind of become like a webinar coach, you know, as part of my job that I, I never really envisioned that being part of the job, but it really is. You know, teaching them how to present slides in a way where you don't lose someone's attention, um, how to make sure that you're showing and not just telling what you're teaching, um, things like that. And, and I've had lots of speakers, you know, email me afterwards so thankful that, you know, like I've improved the way they can present their knowledge for years to come just because they did this one session for the society and I take a lot of pride in that
0: yeah I mean that's awesome because most membership owners who do bring in people that are doing training they kind of rely on the trainer to know what they're doing they don't go to that extent of you know making sure the training is exactly what their members need had delivered in a way that's going to be best yeah. for their members so it's awesome that you're doing that
1: yeah I mean we want the, we want there to be some consistency in our trainings uh, from speaker to speaker because every speaker has their own way of doing things. And we've, we've had the, the, the odd person who kind of is very insistent on doing things their own way. And we've kind of carefully navigated that. But um, you know, we always make sure at the end of every session before we get into Q and A that there's a slide that has action steps on it. And it's such a simple thing that so many people do not include when they teach. It's just, you know, now that you've learned all of this fantastic stuff, what should you do now? Like, what's the next step? Which things should you do first? And we tell them just to present, you know, three to five bullet points of, you know, don't provide any new information at this phase, but kind of review what you taught and say, this is what you should do first, then do this, then do this. And we've found that that just makes the whole thing so much more actionable than it would have been otherwise.
0: And so I'd love to know, because obviously the society has been going, I think you said 2015, so yep. six years, um, yeah. essentially. So that, that's an awful lot of content, but obviously with social media, things are changing all the time as well. So is actually keeping on top of things like archiving content and removing content, something that you have to be aware of as well?
1: It is. It is. Um, every year or so, we kind of do we, we run through all of our archive, especially a lot of the older stuff, just to make sure that everything is, you know, as, especially the things that involve very specific platforms. Like early on, we had a training about Blab and um, we had and Meerkat and things that don't exist anymore. So those were easy decisions to just remove from the archive. Um, Currently, I've kind of had in the back of my mind, there's a session we have about Facebook analytics that we will have to remove because Facebook analytics is going away. And just before everyone freaks out, Facebook analytics is different than Facebook insights. Your insights are not going away. Um, But but Facebook analytics was supposed to be sort of Facebook's uh, own answer to Google analytics that was buried in business manager that a lot of people didn't even know existed. And, and it wasn't really used. So they're, they're, they're kind of taking some of that functionality and putting it into a business suite, but yeah, it's um, but we had a whole fantastic, if I might say so training on how to use this with um, the wonderful Chris Mercer. And uh, now that training is going to be obsolete. So we'll have to remove it.
0: So, Changing gears a little bit now, I would love to know what your favorite thing is about running the society. What makes this an awesome job for you?
1: My favorite thing, um, day to day is helping people. And when I, and I wish I had more of my daily time just to go in and participate in our Facebook group, um, because that's really where the magic happens. And the the times where somebody can ask a question where they're they're really frustrated they can't figure out how to do something, um, and it just so happens to be like something that I have a good answer for and I'll I'll help them I'll send them to a resource that they didn't know exist I'll tell them about you know the Facebook Pixel Helper or, or or some tool that like does exactly what they need that they just didn't know about. And they act like I have just saved their life. <laughs> and, and that feels really good. It's, it's so rewarding when you can help people. Um, you know, I, I, I know it's common in our industry to have imposter syndrome and I am not immune to it at all. I don't give myself enough credit a lot of the time for, for what I know because I'm not an expert in any one thing. I'm more of a generalist but I do know a little about a lot of things. And when I can um, share that knowledge with our members who are even more beginner generalists than I am, and not all of them, some of them are way more advanced than I am in certain areas. We have some brilliant members who just, you know, throw me out of the water. But um, it's it's the times when I can help someone and they are just so thankful that, that that's what I love most about my job for sure. And I love the people I work with. I love being in this industry. Social media marketing is it's just it's full of fascinating, really intelligent people. And I love being part of that. And so yeah, it's right where I need to be. Awesome. And so
0: have there been any particular challenges for you with the membership along the way?
1: Oh, sure. Um There's, there's been, gosh, you know, for, it's different things at different times. I wouldn't say there's any one hard thing that's been ongoing that we have not resolved. But, you know, for a while, um, the figuring out what people we were going to recruit and what training sessions we were going to do just seemed like a really impossible task because there, um, it just seemed like we made it harder than it needed to be. That, that was difficult for a little while, and it's gotten a lot better. Um, the, one of the, the biggest challenges um, has really just been everything that's happened ever since COVID hit last year in 2020, um, that really, and I know we're not alone in this, but it, it really kind of turned our whole company upside down. Um, Because we had to, well, we were anticipating for the longest time that our conference in 2021 was going to have to be canceled, but we couldn't officially say that until the city officially told us that they wouldn't be able to host it. Um, And there was the anticipation that we were going to lose all that revenue. So staffing needs um, became a challenge. Um, we, we have a lot of employees, but we also have a lot of contractors and a lot of hard decisions had to be made about, um, our contractors, which just like pains me. And, um, so, and, and it also so happened that the society itself, the people that I had working directly on my team, we had some changes happen. And so, uh, rather than, be able to go out and hire like a new full-time person to fill uh, a role that somebody had previously um we had to kind of creatively bring people in from other parts of our company to fill in certain aspects of what someone else previously did so like what one person previously did was now being done by three different people Um, different parts of it. So one person was kind of doing website updates and one person was helping with the speaker communications um, that was previously all done by one person, that sort of thing. Um, Our customer service had to switch over from a a, a dedicated society um, staffer to the person that does all of the customer support for the entire company. So there was a lot of training that had to happen. And we had to completely revamp all of our processes. We had to move, well, basically we had to take everything that was previously just on autopilot and we had to create processes that were not written down anywhere and put them into Asana. Um, So now when I do bring new people onto my team, all of it is laid out very explicitly um, in a very easy to follow checklist. So, um, so that, that has been a huge challenge is um, just making the necessary changes that we had to, because this pandemic really forced us to, you know, a lot of creativity is, is born out of necessity. And we had to creatively come up with a lot of solutions um, to uh, this problem that we never saw coming,
0: yeah. So definitely not an easy year for you then. No. <laughs> the <last year.
1: laughs> you know, it, it's, it wasn't easy, but I would say it's of all the years that I've been with this company, it's the year I'm most proud of because we have made some amazing changes that have really been for the better. And I feel so much more confident in like the society being a sustainable thing now um, that maybe I wouldn't have said two years ago. So, so I think it's, it's really been probably a good thing for us.
0: So I'd love to talk about that a little bit then in terms of the kind of changes that you've made to, to ensure that society is that little bit more sustainable.
1: Yeah. So, uh, you know, back in early 2020, um, before the world got turned upside down, um, we hired, uh, an operations person for our company. And he's a great guy and he has been really a, a support to me in making a lot of changes. So most recently we have completely redone our society website. We have completely redone um, th- the, the tools that we use uh, to sign on new members. We've switched you know, our payment processor. Um, we still use uh, Wishlist as our our WordPress like membership platform, um, but we had switched from one shopping cart, which gave us lots of problems, uh, to WooCommerce, which is um, much. It just it does things so much better than the one shopping cart ever did, <laughs> and. Um, we have switched from using um, AWeber for our just member emails over to the much more robust and capable Drip um, platform. And so the, having someone in operations um, to help support me in making these like big platform changes um, was a huge help. So like that's the kind of stuff we've been doing probably over the last six months or so um, is, is a lot of back end stuff that our members don't necessarily see, but it enables us to serve them better like on a, on a, you know, on a more surface level because the things behind the scenes are working better for us <laughs> and taking less of our time. So that, that's all been really important. And, and like right now, we are in the process of switching from using GoToWebinar um, over to uh, a new kind of a combination of technology, um, StreamYard and Vimeo, uh, where we'll be live streaming everything directly onto our website, rather than using, um, having people you know, log into a third party tool. So that's kind of the, the current in the works thing.
0: Awesome. So as you say, a lot of back-end changes there that, that members don't necessarily see, but that do improve the experience for them in one yes. way or another. Yeah. And I'd love to touch on what you mentioned there with the, the live video element, because at the minute you you do the live trainings every month. And am I right in thinking that they're they're shown in the Facebook group and in GoToWebinar Webinar? directly and now you're planning on putting them directly into the website. Is that right?
1: Yeah, we're going to be putting them directly into the website. And um, I'm trying to, I'm, I'm contemplating how much of this I should share, but the, um, the, the streaming to the Facebook group, it, it has become a little bit buggy. Um, so I've kind of thought for a long time that it's something we would eventually phase out. Yeah. We just wanted to make sure we had a viable solution um, before we did that. Um, but the, the other big change that has happened with us, um, is that the society historically has always just been open for one kind of launch period a year. And then we've closed our doors until the next spring. It's always in the springtime, starting traditionally with social media marketing world. And then for the next like month. Um, but, uh, COVID has you know, forced us to kind of rethink the way that we do a lot of things. And so for the first time ever, after our launch this year, we actually have kept the doors open. And so we are now looking at new kind of evergreen strategies um, on how to you know, acquire and uh, convert uh, new members year round, all while we still have our other products that we promote Um, so that, that's kind of the new exciting thing. And, you know, that is marketing, um, for the most part is the, you know, that's the team that kind of really handles those things, but there is the logistical, you know, once these people become members because they are, they don't quite fit the same, um, mold as a traditional, like during our lunch period member. Um, like right now we have a a one dollar trial this is something we've never done before Uh, so you can join for a dollar that gives you seven days of access and because we now use WooCommerce instead of one shopping cart people can just one click cancel themselves if they don't want to be charged the whole annual amount after those seven days so uh logistically, we had to figure out kind of on the back end, how do we handle these people that decide to cancel after those seven days? You know, we let them into the Facebook group, but then we have to have a process of getting them out of the Facebook group. And who's going to do that? <laughs> because that's a whole nother manual process. Um, but uh, now that we are going to have those people in there, um, we've decided that it would be best for and for the integrity of our people that are paying um, every year we're going to have all of the content reside on the, you know, the password protected website, um, rather than have it in the Facebook group where there's always going to be those lingering people that you don't quite catch that never get removed. I mean, I know that happens to everybody. Um, the, the, the page with wish list and, and all of that is much easier for us to have control over. Yeah. So that we're kind of going in the direction of just all the content living there rather than the Facebook group.
0: So I'd love to know then with that change from kind of the the closed model to the open model, obviously that impacts a little bit on your retention as well. I mean, a trial impacts on retention anyway, but you have that, that benefit when you've got that closed model of everybody coming in once, you being able to kind of onboard everybody at once, and then it kind of becomes that business as usual. Yes. So... Have you found it difficult to transition to a process where you're essentially needing to onboard people all the time? You're needing to get people up to speed all the time and and kind of what are you doing to keep members engaged?
1: You know, that's a, um, that's a really good question. And I'm sure there's probably more that we could be doing than the, this is still very new, but um, we did implement a an onboarding kind of email sequence that we didn't have before. Um, before a couple months ago, it's it's fairly new. But since we switched over to Drip as the new email system, it works a lot easier than it could have in our previous system. So that, f- for right now, is the main strategy um, in in onboarding these people and getting them the information they need on how to use their membership and get the most out of it. Um, but there's also uh, the Facebook group where uh, we're trying to increase our efforts on um, you know just encouraging engagement and making sure that you know there is a very obvious welcome post that tells them what they need to know and how to be part of the group and that sort of thing. So um, you know a lot of it is is there and is easy to find if they look for it um, but you know you you can't force people, to to read everything and there's going to be people that miss it and kind of miss you know like they don't know what they don't know um and that you just have there's not much you can do about that but we we do our best to like put things in as many obvious places as we can to show them like this is what you've paid for like take advantage of it
0: and this might be a little bit of a a difficult question to answer but do you think that Most people joining the society, because it is so content heavy and obviously a large part of what you do is keep people up to speed with trends and things as well. So a lot of your, I would say the majority of your members, am I right in thinking, are people who are running social media businesses, essentially?
1: Um, I wouldn't say that necessarily. I, I would say the majority of our members are part of a small business, whether they are a business owner that's not social media related um, or they work for a business that's not social media related. We do have, I don't know, maybe a 30 to 40% of our members actually do work in social media marketing as an agency of some kind. Um, but uh, I would say the majority of our members are, you know, work in other industries like healthcare and real estate and nonprofits and education. Um, and just e-retail and, and all of that. But, but the majority is, and then we, we target ourselves to smaller businesses. That's, that's our bread and butter.
0: So with that then, do you think that most people are actually there more for the content or more for things like the Facebook group and the community element of that?
1: I would say more content than community based on surveys we've done. But um, I would say most people... With that, and and I don't necessarily have data to back this up, but, but based on how many people say they're there for the content versus the numbers we see of like how people are consuming things compared to our overall numbers. I think most people like being a member of the site, the society, because they know it's there when they need it. And, you know, working in social media, as most of us know, even if this isn't your industry, Um, You know how it constantly changes. The rules are always changing. The algorithms are always changing. There, there's so much you don't know about, like you could like not log in for a week and then all of a sudden, you know, the place where you're used to find this information is not there anymore and Facebook changed the layout. And oh, by the way, your Facebook group is, is now private where it used to be public because you missed the email for them saying, you know, I mean, it's like, it's, it's crazy. So when things like that happen and you have a freak out moment and you don't know what to do, knowing that you're a member of the society and you can just go in this Facebook group and you're like, wait a minute, what did I miss? Where is, how do I like this page as my page now? Because I don't see that anymore. Um, You know, everybody's in the same boat and we're all there to support each other. And it's, it's just that knowing it's there when you need it, I think is really the best thing about it.
0: Yeah. And something, this might not be fair to say, but from an outside point of view, I feel like in the past, social media examiner has always been associated with social media marketing world. That was kind of the, the big, the big thing it was known for. That was kind of the, the, the golden the golden child essentially and the society as you said was kind of that launched once a year kind of was a bit more more hidden you didn't necessarily know that it was there and then whether it's a result of covid or from before then it feels like now that's obviously with social media marketing world not being able to go ahead at the minute then there's a natural change there but it definitely feels like there's a lot more focus on the society now a lot more focus bringing that into the fore as kind of a, a main product of social media examiner now 100%
1: 100% yeah What 100% I'd say you know we always kind of have this analogy internally in our company that that social media marketing world is our earth and the society is our moon hmm. and then we have lots of other little satellite projects you know and and summits and and little you know uh, products like that um and when our earth went away (laughs) I think our society moon grew a little bit yeah I wouldn't say it's an earth in and of itself yet um but it's definitely become more important to our company um and our bottom line frankly uh than it was in the past I mean this has been a rough year for us yeah um I'm not gonna lie and say that like everything's hunky-dory and like we're you know just trucking along as usual where you know there's there's been some hard decisions that had to be made
0: with going forward then with that do you think the the changes that you mentioned before so obviously you've made some ongoing structural changes and things like that and the the bigger focus on the presence of the society do you think that is going to be sustained in the future even when events and things like that do come back
1: I think so. We we've we've laid out some kind of long term plans with our company, um, and without going into too much detail, that I'm not sure I'm at liberty to really talk about. Um, the we do want to place a lot of focus on um, more than just world moving forward. So um, yeah, the society is you know, the, and that's why just even over these last five, six months, we've put so much hard work into improving our backend systems um, and, and and changing, you know, and, and adopting this new evergreen model and um, switching up how we're going to be doing our training sessions and all of that. All of it is this improvement mindset um to to take the society in a place where it can be what we want it to be in the next few years
0: awesome so yeah so as we start to wrap up then I normally like to ask my guests what tip they'd give someone thinking about starting a membership but in your case I'd love to actually ask you (laughs) what advice you'd give someone who Maybe it's thinking I don't necessarily want my own membership site, but I would I would be great at managing one for someone else. I would love to actually just be somebody else's membership manager. What What advice would you give them, or what What do you think the key to success is with that kind of? You know,
1: it's it's funny because I never saw myself as like a membership manager, like before I had this job. Like I never thought, hey, like. I want to be part of a membership. That's what I want to do. What it really was more of is I had a passion for an industry. And I, this was an opportunity for me to contribute to my industry and help other people in an area that I'm super passionate about. And so that's how I think if you're going to enter in as a, a membership manager for someone else, it, it needs to be not as like, hey, I'm a professional membership manager. I think that's kind of the wrong way to approach it. I think it needs to be like, I see myself working for your company because this is the best opportunity I can imagine to make the biggest impact in this area that I'm really passionate about. And I think that will speak to an employer. Way more than someone who just has the technical know-how, but doesn't really know your members and what they really go through. Um, I I feel like I was made for this job because I was once one of those people that I am now helping, and I can learn WordPress, you know, plugins. I can learn the platforms. I can learn WooCommerce. I can you know, the, the Facebook group was probably the easiest part of it because that was already part of sort of what I did. But um, I, I think, you know, have have a learning mindset for sure. Um, always keep learning. Never, ever stop learning. But um, yeah, it, it's it's all about your mindset and wanting to help the people in your world. And if you approach it like that, I think you will succeed.
0: Awesome. I love that. I think that's great advice. And yeah, as you say, I think with anything like that, the passion for the topic, as you say, or the interest in the topic needs to come first or or you're just going to, it's just going to feel like another job that you you might end up presenting essentially.
1: Yeah, Yeah, for sure. And that's why I love my job. I mean, it's because I love helping those people. I love knowing that even if I don't communicate with them, if, if I'm not interacting with them every single day in our Facebook group, I know that keeping this society in place and existing means that it's there for them when they need it. Um, so yeah, it's, it's really important to me because I know how important it is to other people.
0: Yeah. And I feel like you have that ownership of the society if that makes sense it feels like whilst it's not necessarily your business your name on the, the thing it, oh,
1: for it sure. feels it's like my it, baby yeah, yeah it's, exactly. it's my baby. <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> totally yeah um so on that note then I just want to thank you so much for joining me today it's been great speaking with you I've missed seeing you the last couple of years yeah, <laughs> um out in San Diego so hopefully next year um and yeah, it's been wonderful talking with you about your role and, and about the society's success. And I'm really looking forward to seeing how it continues to, to grow over the next year or so as well.
1: I'm super excited about it. The more we make all these changes, the more thrilled I, I get at just the prospects of all the things we can do. So, and this has just been an absolute pleasure. Um, thank you so much for having me.
0: Yeah, it's been great to talk to you. And as I said, hopefully we'll see you next year.
1: All right, I hope so. See See ya. <laughs>
0: That's it, folks. Thank you so much to Ali for joining me on today's episode and thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed hearing from a slightly different membership perspective this week. To grab the links, show notes, or download the transcription for today's episode, please head on over to the slash BTM52. And I'll be back next week with another episode of Behind the Membership, so be sure to listen in. If you enjoyed this week's episode, we invite you to check out membershipacademy.com. The Membership Academy is the essential resource for anyone at any stage of starting, growing and running a membership website. Whether you're still trying to figure out what your idea is going to be or whether your website is already up and running and you're just looking for ways to grow it and attract new members, then the Membership Academy can help you to get to the next level. With our extensive course library, monthly training, exclusive member-only discounts, perks and tools, and a supportive, active community to help you along the way with feedback, encouragement and advice, the Membership Academy is the perfect place to be for anyone looking to start, manage and grow a successful membership website. Check it out at membershipacademy.com.